0: take a look at the candidates to be the mid-round receivers who break out this season on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello everyone and welcome in to another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 at The Athletic. The weekend has arrived. Happy Friday. Thanks for kicking off your morning or sometime in your afternoon With us here, I am Michael Beller. I am joined by Derek Van Riper, DVR. Weekend is here. What's going on?
1: Oh, things are great. I'm glad the weekend's here. I'm going to take my car. I'm going to pack up like a picnic, get the dog, bring uh, Mrs. VR along and and go to like a state park or something this weekend. I have to get away from the computer and away from the screens. I just need an afternoon away in the outdoors. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Yes, I think that is a great idea, especially with this being uh, the last episode of Fantasy Football in 15 before training camps are in full swing. So we are going to have our plates full with football, and we love that for the next, uh, you know, four, four and a half months or so. And we are very happy for that to be the case. Today on Fantasy Football in 15, we are going to wrap up this little mini-series looking at breakout potential players that were coming off the board in the mid or late Mid rounds, uh, we did quarterbacks and tight ends on Wednesday, running backs on Thursday. Today we're gonna do it with wide receivers. Really quick before we get going, tight ends in the news and the two best tight ends in the league in the news. Both George Kittle and Travis Kelsey got themselves monster contract extensions on Thursday. Kittle five years, seventy-five million. Or uh, Kittle is yes, Kittle is five years, seventy-five million. Kelsey four years. $57 million, the two best tight ends in the league, cashing in in a way that absolutely reflects the value. If anything, comes up maybe a little short of the value that they bring to their teams, and you're going to see those guys drafted certainly in the first 20 or 25 picks of your fantasy football drafts over the next couple of weeks. Derek, let's look at these wide receivers. Now, last year, Cooper Cup did it right. He was a guy who we already liked, mid-round receiver. Boom, wide receiver four. Two years ago, it was Juju Smith-Schuster in his second year, again coming off that strong rookie season. Everybody already right, liked him. He was a mid-round pick who clearly had upside. Boom, 1,400 yards, seven touchdowns, a monster season, and people who got him got a huge bang for their buck. We're looking for guys like that for this season. We're going to do it similarly to how we handled the running backs, looking at someone who is in that. Wide receiver 24-25 to 36-37, generally the low end 2 through the wide receiver 3 range, and then someone who goes beyond that. Obviously less likely to be this year's Cooper Cup or Juju Smith-Schuster, but still someone who has a possibility of being that guy from that deep of range. So let's look at the wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3 group first. Who do you got from that group who could end up being someone who ends up being a major, major payoff at ADP?
1: You know, I love AJ Green this year at the price. Everything is changing about the Cincinnati offense. I know it was a completely lost season due to ankle injuries a year ago, but I also think the team being terrible, they were in a position where they didn't necessarily want to bring him back and risk re-injury late in the year. It made more sense to just ride it out, get the number one pick, and go get Joe Burrow, which is exactly what they ended up doing. If you look at the per-game production the last time we saw A.J. Green in 2018, it was still pretty close to the elite receiver that we've seen year over year, a guy that can catch 75 to 80 passes with ease, get over 1,000 yards, and possibly push into the 8 to 10 touchdown range. He was still getting 9 yards per target, and that was in an Andy Dalton-led Bengals offense in 2018. So I think with Burrow, I think we're looking at this team as one that could take a massive step forward offensively, Even though he's a rookie and he's going to make some mistakes, I think he can elevate this offense. I think Green is part of what eases the transition for Burrow. Having a legitimate top 10 receiver, talent-wise, at his disposal, having a few other good weapons there as well, really ticks a lot of boxes. And I think the key here is, you know, you're not investing much in A.J. Green. If you look at some guys who are similarly old and injury-prone, he goes after T.Y. Hilton uh, he goes long after you know, Keenan Allen, who is actually more durable than people give him credit for. So you're getting a pretty good discount. You're getting him in the pick 70 range. He's the 30th receiver off the board in NFFC drafts in August. He's the clear-cut number one in this offense. And he has a guy in Tyler Boyd, who I think is good enough to pull defensive attention away. I don't think teams can play heavy double coverage against A.J. Green on every snap and not get burned for it either. So I think, you know, matchup-wise, he could actually take advantage of having some extra help on the field with Tyler Boyd being healthy, too. Every year we
0: look up at the end of the season, or even just halfway through the season, and there's a team that's surprising us from an offensive standpoint, a team that suddenly plays its way into the top 10 offenses, at least in terms of yards and points. Last year it was Tampa Bay, and obviously they were not a good team, but they were a lucrative fantasy offense, and the Bengals with Joe Burrow at the helm I think can be that offense this season. I am on AJ Green too. He is not who I go to. However, for this discussion, I am also going to a veteran, someone who has been in our lives for a few years here now, but I just can't figure out why Brandon Cooks is getting no love from the fantasy community. He is the number two receiver by ADP on his own team behind one of the most injury prone guys in the league in Will Fuller. And we talked about this on uh, our Wednesday episode Of the Athletic Fantasy Football podcast, me, Jake Seeley, and Brandon Funston. And we, the three of us, agreed that if these guys are both healthy, there's no doubt about Brandon Cooks being the number one receiver. And while they both have injury questions, I would say that Will Fuller's are comfortably more questioning than Brandon Cooks's are. And all you got to do is go back over Cooks's career. Look at the four years before last season when the concussions really just unfortunately got the better of him. You go back to 2015, 1,138 yards, 9 touchdowns on 84 catches. The next year, 1,173 yards, 8 touchdowns, 78 catches. 2017, uh, his first and only year in New England, caught 65 balls, 1,082 yards, 7 touchdowns. Then 2018, his first year with the Rams, 80 catches, 1,200 yards, 5 touchdowns. I mean, he delivers every single year when healthy. There is no questioning it. And now he comes into this season as the, I think, number one receiver again. I mean, this guy just strikes gold year after year, keeps changing teams. But no matter where he goes, he's got himself a great quarterback. How many guys would love to say, yeah, oh, I played with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, and Deshaun Watson in my career. The worst quarterback I played with by far is Jared Goff. A lot of wide receivers would trade uh, spots with Brandon Cooks, definitely in that regard. So he joins Deshaun Watson. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. This acquisition flew under the radar, and Brandon Cooks, to me, is not only the easy wide receiver one on this team, but someone who has played like a wide receiver one on multiple teams and multiple schemes for multiple coaches across his career we are looking at a a guy with an ADP in the low 90s wide receiver 37 John Brown is getting drafted earlier than him I already said Will Fuller's getting drafted earlier than him Julian Edelman is getting drafted earlier than him I am a big Tyler Boyd fan and I would maybe even consider Boyd over him but Boyd is obviously his team's number two whereas Cooks I think is his team's number one and at worst is a 1A to Will Fuller's one I love Brandon Cooks at his ADP. He is one of my very favorite wide receivers to target at cost this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think with Cooks, the only concern comes back to the concussions he's dealt with in his career, but the talent has been there from day one. He's played on a bunch of good teams, as you said, and Deshaun Watson is underrated relative to the quarterbacks that Cooks played with earlier in his career, too, so I think we're going to see Great per-game production from Cooks this year. I think he is the true volume number one, an offense that should put plenty of points on the board. If they keep Will Fuller healthy, You know, look out. They may find a way to kind of reshape the distribution of targets and still move the ball through the air just as effectively as they did when they had DeAndre Hopkins.
0: Yeah, we're all ready to laugh at Bill O'Brien for many reasons. I have been laughing very loudly after that David Johnson-DeAndre Hopkins trade, but this is not some rollover team that is totally dead on offense. There is still a lot to like, and Brandon Cooks is a big part of that. Uh, We're going to talk about some deeper receivers here in a second, but first let's hear a word from our friends at Indochino. All right, DVR, let's get on to a deeper group of wide receivers. Again, we are looking at about wide receiver 40 and deeper. I think there are a lot of guys who are intriguing from this group of receivers. Hard to say that one of these guys is going to break out and be a top 20, top 15 receiver. We do see it quite a bit, but it's just a long way for a lot of these guys to go. Most of them are at best wide receiver twos on their team. We've got a lot of rookies in here who haven't had the benefit of having a normal you know, minicamp OTA training training camp preseason. So it's going to be an uphill climb for a lot of these guys, but still some value. You are turning to another veteran here.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I, I like youth at the running back position, but I'm comfortable with the uh, guys who are you know beyond the age 30 career milestone and, and wide receiver. And Emmanuel Sanders, I, I don't know if it's because he's always been more of a number two than a number one, but he doesn't seem like he gets enough respect for what he brings to the table. I think people are making too much of Michael Thomas being a target hog, which he absolutely is. He's very efficient, and he's going to get double-digit targets week in and week out. That's just the way the offense works there. But once you get past Thomas and Elvin Kamara, there's a big gap between those two guys and the rest of the Saints' pass catchers. And I think part of the reason for that has just been the personnel they've had in recent years. Mm -hmm. I think Emmanuel Sanders can bridge that gap. He can consolidate a lot of the long-tail targets that have frustrated us as fantasy players. I think he can take away... Sean Payton's need to be unnecessarily cute in certain situations because he's a good, uh, gets good separation. He could play from the slot and from the outside, so they can move him around the formation a little bit. Uh, this is just a guy that over eight yards per target each of the last two seasons had a pretty major injury, of course, a few years ago that he's recovered nicely from. Plenty of ability after the catch, too. You look at what he had last year between Denver and then a trade to San Francisco. 66 catches over 17 games, but 11 of those 66 catches went for 20-plus yards. Three of them went for 40-plus. So I think he's just one of those guys that fits really well here. I don't know how teams are going to find a way to stop all three of Thomas, Sanders, and Kamara because those guys can get open very quickly, and Drew Brees can get rid of the ball very quickly. So I think the other thing I like here, of course, the Saints, still a very good offense. You want to invest in great offenses late when you can, so you're just getting... A share of maybe a top five or top six offense at a steep discount. Emmanuel Sanders goes outside the top 100 in most drafts. His August ADP is 110. It puts him 45th among receivers. It puts him down with very uncertain young receivers. I mean, I like Nicole Hardman's talent, and I like Jerry Judy, and I like Henry Ruggs. But if you think about how those three young receivers are going to be used compared to Sanders— it's really no comparison. Emmanuel Sanders' target floor week to week should be so much higher in 2020 than those other three guys. So I think that's part of what drives it for me. The target floor is really high and he can do a lot of damage in the Saints offense with defenses so worried about Thomas and Kamara.
0: Saints are sort of a dream situation this year, right? Because they're super high powered and you don't see many offenses that are this explosive with also as skinny of a tree as you have in New Orleans. You've got Kamara, Thomas Sanders, maybe a little Latavius vulturing uh, from from Kamara, and that's about it. And you gotta love that, especially if you are going to invest in Emmanuel Sanders, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. They're gonna do what they do on any team, but this is a great spot. For Emmanuel Sanders, I am going to turn to a team that we expect to be a little bit worse probably than the Saints this year, but Preston Williams down in Miami was putting together a very nice season through eight games, 32 catches, 428 yards, three touchdowns on basically a ho-hum offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm, and then he tore his ACL. But all you got to do is take those numbers, double them, and you get to 860 yards, six touchdowns, 64 catches uh, for a guy uh, in his first run in the NFL on a bad team with a You know, a quarterback who can be good to us in the fantasy world, but no one would say is really better than a league average quarterback in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Basically what I'm saying is I see his per game numbers almost as a floor from what he did last season. He is over the ACL injury, up and running, Dolphins saying he is good to go for week one, and I love the fact that you're getting him at wide receiver 60. Uh, Devontae Parker is great. I think Devontae Parker deserves to be going where he's going, which is right around wide receiver 24, 25, but... Uh, step for step was Preston Williams with Devontae Parker before he suffered that torn ACL. And then we saw Devontae Parker really take off. I think Preston Williams can be right there with Devontae Parker. He's my favorite. He is my preferred target, not favorite, but preferred target uh, at cost between these two Miami receivers. And you've already got Ryan Fitzpatrick out there saying that he knows he's a placeholder and that maybe it's not uh, a placeholder into 2021. That Tua Tagovailoa could be taking over for this team sooner rather than later. I think that boosts the floor and the ceiling for everyone. In this Miami offense, something else that you have to like about uh, Williams and Parker, for that matter, is while Miami, I think, is building a sneaky, fun offense, it's still unlikely to be a team that competes for a postseason spot. Wouldn't be surprised to see them chasing in more than their fair share of games this season, and that could mean big volume numbers. I think both Parker and Williams get up over 100 targets somewhere into the 120 range I just think that's going to be enough volume for him to pay off in a big way. Would I bet on him being a top 20 receiver? Of course not. But I think the possibilities there, and I would bet on him being a top 40 or 45 receiver, and you're paying a wide receiver five price for him. Feels like a huge bargain on draft day.
1: Yeah, I just think his role looks really stable. The depth receivers there took a pretty big hit with two key guys opting out, so... I think that really elevates Williams' target floor on a weekly basis as well. And if Tua takes over sooner rather than later, I like this offense even more.
0: Yep, but it's going to be a fun offense. One of those sneaky fun offenses to invest in. Where we started too with Cincinnati, right? I think Miami could be one of those sneaky offenses. Bad team, but with all the parts they've put together there, maybe will be a fun offense from a fantasy perspective. Hopefully, this was a fun episode. From a fantasy perspective here on Fantasy Football in 15, that's going to do it for this episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. And if you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get yourself 40% off a subscription if you go to theathletic.com slash football in 15. DVR and I will be back with you next week. We'll have some real practice news to talk about then and all week as we get closer and closer to the start of the NFL season. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great weekend.